Hello, everybody. Good evening, and welcome to the very first edition of It's About Us with Rush Darwish. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope your family is safe. This is our first broadcast, um, and I'll be the first to admit I had no idea uh, that this podcast thing would be as interesting as it is from the setup. Uh, my background for most people who know this, um, you know, it's mostly in TV with um, a whole other set of circumstances to make sure this broadcast uh, goes well. But I hope you're doing good. I hope your family's safe. Uh, we are living in some absolutely bizarre times. It's uh, scary to say the least. Many people are losing their jobs. Uh, there's a food shortage that's happening around the world, including right here in Chicago. And um, we're going to talk about that. COVID-19 changing the world uh, as we know it. And we're going to get into that. Uh, there's uh, so many reasons why I wanted to do this program. Matter of fact, uh, when I decided to run for Congress, I already knew uh, one of the many things that I wanted to accomplish uh, after the election was to make sure that uh, I continue to communicate with everyone, uh, talk to people via the podcast and many other ways to communicate. But the, the podcast was going to be very important. Uh, I'm, again, very thankful for this opportunity to get a chance to talk with everyone. What I hope for is that we have a lot of great discussions. Uh, we hope as time goes by, we get better at this podcast. Um, we are learning, and there's nothing wrong with learning. I think that's the most important thing is to acknowledge that uh, we are starting uh, something new. But uh, based on everything that I see now, if you have a question that you'd like to, to answer or excuse me for me to answer during the program, let's give it a shot, and, and you could uh, ask whatever you like. And... Um, I would appreciate that. I definitely want to interact with you. And again, I will do my best to communicate with you. And there's a lot of things that we plan on, on adding. But first, I want to talk about my congressional run. And I want everyone to know that prior to making the decision, I met with at least 100 people, at least. And everyone had an opinion. And I heard everything. I heard the worst case scenario and the best case scenario. And for me, uh, the most important thing was number one find a race that was going to inspire me and was going to literally force me to be the best candidate I can be. And it took a lot of thought. You know, which, what's the route where, uh, what office can you run for that is going to literally put you in a position where you have to fundraise, you got to have the right message, um, you're going to have to knock on doors. And for me, I admit, I was inspired by running for office. Uh, I come from a, a community in the southwest suburb, suburbs where uh, a lot of people uh, within my inner circle said, Rush, give it a shot. And make no mistake, we knew, we knew going in, and I say we because it was a small group of activists who took the step, we knew it was going to be a big challenge. Uh, the decision was made uh, in uh, around, oh my goodness, the final decision was January 2019. 2019 is when we decided that we're going to take this step. And we knew that there's a very good chance that Marie Newman would run again. It wasn't official, but it was like 90%. Obviously, you had Rep Lipinski, who he and his father shared the, the office for 40 years. So common sense will tell you that if, if there was one race maybe in terms of winning, like if you're going in with this, this idea that you're going to run and it's, it's win or bust, that this would be the absolute worst race that you want to get into. Because technically in the world of politics, 
the best race to get into is where you don't even have an opponent. And those are tough races to find. Uh, and that's one of the other reasons why I said, you know what, forget it. There is no easy race. And if there's three, four people on a ballot for a state rep or a local alderman or trustee, no matter what it is, uh, it, was, it would be difficult to win. So might as well go ahead, go big or go home and run for United States Congress. And I want to stress this one more time. I knew that it was going to be a massive effort, a big hill to climb. But I said, forget about it. We're going to do it. And we understand that uh, winning would be tough. And if we're able to pull off the victory, great. Crazy things happen in politics. And I don't think you have to be a political expert or a pundit to say that. I mean, that's why I had to run. Because we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And of course, again, we went through the process. We met so many great people. And honestly, I, when you talk to people and when you knock on doors... Most people just want politicians who are honest and transparent. And I think right now with the COVID-19 that's happening, uh, this is why I think, by and large, whether you're Republican or Democrat, I think if you look at the job that J.B. Pritzker has done, our governor of Illinois, and Mayor Lightfoot, I think we could all agree that overall they've done an excellent job with their leadership and, again, transparency. And I think that's the most important thing that, um, that people look for when it comes to elected officials. And I will say this. Uh, I was so blessed and honored to have the opportunity to run for office. I know I fell way short. I mean, you put a year and a half of your life uh, away from family, away from friends. You dedicate everything to make sure you put yourself in the best position to win. And the results were obviously devastating. COVID-19 for me was, <laughs> it was good to just stay home. I was going to stay home for, for four or five days, not as long as we're all staying home on lockdown. But um, you never know the feeling of victory or the feeling of defeat uh, unless you go through the process. And for me, we knew at some point, we knew that mathematically we're going to be out of the race. But again, the experience was very important to make sure that I was going to fight no matter what, uh, go through the process, do everything that I have to do as a candidate for my team to do as well. And I already knew going in, remember from day one, that if I were to fall short, that's fine. I'm ready to accept that. And yes, um, I think the outcome when it's all, when it's all said and done, is that I have a lot to learn, people that I have to get to know, earn the trust of so many voters. Because you could easily run, fall short like the way I did, and say, forget it. I don't ever want to run again. This was a nightmare. But thank goodness, because again, you don't know how you're going to feel until you go through the entire process, finish with the result that you did, and then walk away from this experience and feeling inspired. I mean, I am inspired to continue to do this, to continue to be civically engaged and empower everyone, empower people through this podcast, uh, through working once this whole COVID-19 situation gets cleared, which again, we'll talk about that when that's going to happen. I'm not sure. 
But I am looking forward to the future. Politics is dirty, but it doesn't have to be. And I will say this as well. Marie Newman ran an excellent campaign. You cannot take anything away from her and her staff. Um, she made history. I'm proud of Marie. Um, she's going to make it. Well, first of all, barring any catastrophes, uh, Marie should win the nomination. I don't see the, the gentleman, Felicio, I believe the last name is. I should have researched that. Um, he, he's a good fella. He really is. But um, overall, this is a blue district, and I do believe that uh, Marie has um, all all the momentum right now is is in her favor. I don't think there's any question that she will be the next congressman of Illinois' third district. And uh, again, great work. And Rep Lipinski had a good run, but Rep Lipinski definitely had to go. Rep Lipinski, look, I met the guy. I met him once about three years ago. It was a high and buy deal. I've had the opportunity to speak with Rep Lipinski on a couple of occasions. I got nothing against the guy. I get it. Policy-wise, I think he's way off. I don't believe his views align with the people of Illinois' 3rd District. I think he was living off of his last name for a very long time. And finally, you know, it took someone like Marie Newman to come in with the right coalition, with the right endorsements, with the right resources and fundraising, basically all the tools uh, to unseat him. And I find that to be um, the story of Rep Lipinski in that uh, he was always, always living off of his name. And I believe that uh, the time has come for change. And whatever Rep Lipinski does, the question is, will he run again? I know there was some issues. Some people have said that uh, he believes that the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is what really hurt his campaign because a lot of uh, some of the older folks who, who would vote for Rep Lipinski didn't show up. It's going to be interesting to see. But again, for me, no matter what happens, uh, I love the process. Anybody who wants to run, go for it. But you have to know going in that it is not easy. And pending the size of the office that uh, you are going to enter, there can be some serious sacrifice, especially when it comes to the fundraising. I mean, look, on all levels of government, if you're going to run for office, you're going to have to knock on doors, make phone calls, recruit volunteers. These are all very tough tasks. But the fundraising, without question for me, was the biggest challenge. And we did pretty good in that area. But um, it's very uncomfortable to ask family, friends, and a network of people to donate to your campaign, especially when I gotta, you got to go back around and ask him, ask him for the second time and even sometimes the third time. So that would be my advice for everyone or anyone that's looking to run for office is to know that it's, um, it's, it's, a big, it's, it's a big task. It's a huge challenge. But more importantly, uh, you have to know going in that if, um, if you decide you want to take this step, just know that it is a lot of work, but it's extremely rewarding, and you have to know going and be prepared for the outcome of winning or the outcome of falling short. I'm the guy that fell short, and I'm okay with that. Um, well, I wasn't okay for about four or five days, but uh, blessed to have the opportunity, and now we move on and look forward to building on what we accomplished during the campaign. COVID-19, 
This is unbelievable. It truly is. I mean, it almost feels like the Twilight Zone. I think if you're young, you know, like my son Adam, you know, he's 14. He hasn't been around a long time. Look, I'm in my early 40s. I've been around for a minute. The only thing that comes kind of close to this, and, and the circumstance, don't get me wrong, is different than, than 9-11. But the idea of seeing everyone affected by it, COVID-19 is just that. Here in the state of Illinois, over 23,000 people have been infected uh, by COVID-19, over 500 deaths uh, nationally. 25,000 people have been killed close to 600,000 cases across the United States. It's truly unbelievable. I think there's really no other word to describe it. It's shocking. It's depressing. It's heartbreaking. And I think we all have to face this important decision. And it's something you have to fe- you know, face within yourself and within everyone else. Because I've always said this, you know, and, and, and I think we're now faced with this. I always tell people, close family and friends, at least here in the United States, there are two very important things that people really care about. Two. Uh, number one is their health. I mean, you don't mess with people's health uh, people, of course, want to make sure they're healthy because that's how they could work and take care of their family or just be able to make it. And now that leads, of course, to my other, the other thing that people care about. One is health and number two is money. And I think that's why so many of us are, are facing this, uh, I don't even know how to put it, like an internal dilemma. You know, the question is, Do we ride out this storm and everyone stay home as long as possible until it's deemed by the powers that be, our governor, the the president of the United States, that we are 100% in the clear? And if we decide to go that route, I mean, it could be June, July, August before we're able to get out and return to anything close to normal. And here's the problem. If you decide that you're going to do it the right way, that means there's going to be nothing but straight-up devastation for the United States economy, the, the world economy. And that, that's, some, that's a question we have to face. That is something we have to face. Because I know some people are getting this stimulus check. What is it, like $1,400? If you have kids, it's another $500. That's not going to last long. What, is it going to last a month? Two months if you're really, really a great penny pincher. What if you own a business and you're having to pay rent? You know, my families, I have several uh, people who are in the malls, um, strip malls, so on and so forth. They, they're still paying rent. So this is, um, this is just a very critical time because it's easy to say, well, I think we, everybody just needs to stay home. But what about the job? What about the economy? And then we have another horrible situation in underserved neighborhoods. There's a food shortage, access to food. And the longer the COVID-19 pandemic continues to affect us all, 
the more it's going to be difficult for underserved neighborhoods to have access to food and resources. So that's another thing that we have to acknowledge. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, I think we have to really take a deep breath. And I don't want to be overdramatic, and I don't want you to listen to this program. It's about us. And and have the conclusion that Rush is just trying to scare everyone. I promise you, that's not why we're doing this show. But I also believe at the same time, we have to really acknowledge that we are facing an unbelievable disaster. And here's, <laughs> this is only my opinion, and I would love to have uh, your feedback as well. Hit me up right now on Facebook Live. Uh, we plan actually on being on different outlets but for now, Facebook Live is where we're at. You tell me. Our health, our money. And I know you're quickly, well, our health. But what about the small business owners? What about the jobs right now? Uh, if you're a waiter, waitress, uh, you're in the service industry, and you're not getting paid. You're a, what we call a gig worker. I'm in the photography business, and we have uh, a lot of photographers right now. They're not working. They're not, they didn't receive any type of stimulus payment. So like I said, if, if you're in a job right now where you're getting paid, first of all, that's awesome. That's a good thing. And it's easy for someone who's, who's getting paid through their work to say, you know what, we need to ride this out for as long as possible. But it's not easy for everyone else who's struggling right now, who needs a paycheck. And I would like to get your feedback on that. Our health, our money. Where do we draw the line? When do we say enough is enough? We have to get back to work. You know, right now, when do we when do we say forget about you know when do we fight the government? And Elvis sounds like a horrible question, but right now in, in the state of Michigan, they're already starting to protest, and other states as well, where um, a lot of folks who again don't have access to money want to go back to work. They want to go back no later than two weeks. They want to start May 1st. Remember, this thing was supposed to be a seven-day deal. Then it turned out to be for two weeks. And then here in the state of Illinois, I believe we said April 7th. And then we said the rest of April. And just recently, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, said, you know what? It looks like this is actually going to go into May. So when is the end? When do we draw the line? These are tough questions that we're going to have to ask. And we're going to have to answer it as well. Transportation industry, also in trouble. Farmers, struggling. Heck, the farmers were struggling uh, because of the trade deal with China. Uh, the farmers were struggling. Transportation industry, I mean, if there's, if there's nothing uh, for them to transport, or if you can't pay the truck drivers, this is a huge problem. It's scary times. It really is. I, Boy, you do a show like this, and when it comes to the COVID-19, you could, there's a thousand ways to dissect this. And that's why I said, you know what? Let's go, in my opinion, which this can go a thousand different ways. It really can. There's so many things you can talk about. But ultimately, I think it really comes down to two important topics, our health and our money. And I think right now, eventually, uh, there's going to be a crossroad. The bubble will burst. And we're going to have to figure out what is more important, 
Speaking of important, Donald Trump, our president of the United States, actually just literally right before we we went on the air, uh, an article just came out that uh, President Donald Trump announced today that he's halting uh, funding to the World Health Organization. Trump said the review would cover uh, uh, whose role, the role in uh, severely mismanaging and covering up the spread of uh, coronavirus. He's saying that the World Health Organization, which I find to be unbelievable, that he's putting it on the WHO. Let's let's not forget here. And, and by the way, Donald Trump, I mean, uh, you talk about a guy we can, remember I said COVID-19, there's like a thousand ways you could dissect COVID-19. The same goes for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a hot mess. No, no, he really is. And remember, it was Donald Trump that in uh, in January, in late January, he was at an auto parts plant, you know, cheering crowd. Yeah, those Donald Trump rallies. He's got like probably more people behind him than in the, in the audience. Although credit to Donald Trump, he does get a lot of people that come to his rally. But if you recall, uh, this is at the end of January when Donald Trump said that, nope, this is the, the fake news media. He said it was the Democrats. The Democrats were the ones that were uh, completely exaggerating COVID-19. He blamed everyone and said that this is all just going to go away. Everything's going to be perfect. Uh, 13 cases in the United States. We don't have to worry about this, even though now stories and reports are coming out that intelligence officials... Um, you know, United States workers that are based in China and different parts of the world were warning the Trump administration as early as November and December that we have a disaster that's coming our way. And the Trump administration decided to ignore it. Anytime science, I mean, look, I'm not a great, I wasn't a very good science student myself, but I do know that if it's if it's my gut versus science, I'd like to think 99.9% of the time, I'm always going to choose science. And when Donald Trump ignores our environmental issues that we have, uh, what makes you think that when it comes to the COVID-19 or some sort of a world pandemic, that he's not going to do the same? It's exactly what he did. He ignored all the signs. His administration ignored uh, all the signs. And he's on record, by the way, on record of ignoring all the signs that COVID-19 is spreading around the world. It's coming to the United States of America. And there's a, there was more than enough information that suggests that COVID-19 was going to spread rapidly in the United States. And Donald Trump ignored it. But here's where things get really messed up, folks. I would be the first to say, and this is my, in my opinion, and I know some people will say, well, Rush, you're, you're just a Democrat, so your opinion really doesn't count here, or it's slanted. But I honestly believe Donald Trump should not be the president. He has a lot of reasons why he should have been removed from office. But this one right here tops the list. Ultimately, the number one thing that we should always look for when it comes to a leader, 
whether it's a state rep, a mayor, governor of a state like J.B. Pritzker, it's not all about policy. And I know there's a lot of policy wonks out there. They, they look at the policies and they vote strictly on policy. I don't agree with that. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you my mathematical breakdown. I think policy where you stand should be maybe 25 to 30% of the game. I think number one by far is your ability to lead. Leadership counts more than ever. Donald Trump is not even close to a leader. He doesn't get it, especially when it comes to leading people. Now, he might be a leader amongst himself, his business, uh, his fortune, but he's not a leader among people. And I think it's scary that he's the president during this very critical time. I've uh, watched his press conferences. Even here we are in the middle of a world pandemic, and it is, it is just a crushing situation. Thousands of people are dying here in the United States. And when I tune into one of his press conferences and I still see Donald Trump fighting with the reporter, uh, you're fake news, you know, fake, you're a liar, fake news, you're a horrible reporter. He has a temperament of a, of a child. He is the worst thing that ever happened to the United States of America. All right, so let's make our first move, Bentley. We're going to bring, uh, bring in Bentley Patterson in about, uh, in about uh, 30 seconds. Now, all the things that I said that was bad for Donald Trump, all the bad things that I said, we still have an interesting situation. And uh, we got Bentley who's joining us right now to talk more about it. Bentley, my man, how are you? How's life? Bentley, I'm, uh, I do apologize for this. And like I said, welcome to the first show. But our, our, Yeah, no, no. I think uh, we have a situation right now where I can't hear you. So, or our audience cannot hear you. So uh, I'm not sure why. But right now we're going to have to take you off and figure it out at a later point. All right. Good enough. Talk to you later. Yep. Take care. Okay. Well, that was Bentley. Okay. So Bentley, I apologize for that. And I apologize for the people that were listening to the show and uh, could not hear Bentley. Uh, all I could say is, uh, <laughs> like I said, everyone, we knew going in that uh, this is going to be the first podcast and we hope that uh, we will improve. And uh, we look forward to having uh, Bentley on in the near future. We got about five minutes to go on the show. And I want to leave it at this. I will do whatever means necessary to make sure that Joe Biden wins. If I have to canvas, I will canvas. I'll knock on doors for Joe Biden, sure. I'll do whatever we have to do to make sure that Donald Trump is no longer the president of the United States. But we also have to keep this in mind. What really moves you about Joe Biden? You know, what, what is it that, and, I, and I'm asking all the people who are listening to me uh, right now and uh, watching on Facebook Live, what is it that you like about Joe Biden? Hit me up. I'm looking at the comments right now. Because right now I, I listen to, to Joe Biden, and I will say this one more time. It looks like his motor skills are not there. He looks like he's just a step slow. And by the way, this has nothing to do with age. Because Bernie Sanders, I think they're around the same age. 
There are no issues. And Donald Trump, by the way, do I think Donald Trump is crazy? I do. But I don't think it's a situation with the motor skills where, um, like, like the way Joe Biden, I think, has an issue with formulating his thoughts. And I do believe that as time goes by, in situations where there's going to be a debate, I think the United States will see Joe Biden struggle. And my prediction is, and boy, I hope, uh, I hope that I'm wrong. Boy, I really, really hope I'm wrong. But I believe that though that that 10%, 8% of swing voters that are out there that are deciding, you know, the swing voter, they're not a Democrat, they're not a Republican, they really actually just go with who they believe is the best person. Um, I think they're going to struggle voting for Joe Biden. And as much as I think Donald Trump is a terrible leader, I think he is not best for the United States of America. I don't believe he's also, he, has, he doesn't have the temperament to be the president of the United States. I think during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, I think he's been a horrible leader. I think I can count, uh, heck, J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot have more talent and more leadership on their pinky finger than they do on with Donald Trump, than they do then Donald Trump. But at the same time, I do think Joe Biden will be exposed. I think he's a step slow. I don't think he's fit to be the next president of the United States. And I think the swing voters will see that. And as much as it kills me, absolutely kills me to say this, that we need to brace ourselves. Donald Trump will win again. 23 candidates ran for office. And I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't inspire. I don't think he inspires a generation. He doesn't fire people up. Does he really inspire you? Does Joe Biden say change? I don't see it. But I do want your thoughts. Uh, we will be uh, rebroadcasting this. Uh, we'll be sharing it on different outlets. But we're going to leave it at this. This is our first podcast that we did. We did it live. Had a little bit of a... A little bit of a technical difficulty. Bentley will get you on next time. And boy, talk about a prediction with Bentley. I told Bentley I'd rather have a friend come on and mess it up than an actual an actual guest or a political-type uh, guest. But I want to thank you all. I appreciate you so much. Here we are, the first broadcast of It's About Us. Uh, this means a lot to me. We will be back next Tuesday, but we are going to move it up to 5 p.m. We'll have more information about that. And we look forward to having so many guests on the show and we hope to have people come into our studio here in uh, Pilsen uh, to be part of the live broadcast. Uh, and we're excited. This is just a great opportunity to connect with all of you, to communicate with all of you. Uh, because remember, everything that I do, and I hope that everything that, that leaders do, it should never be about themselves. It should always be about us. So take care. Uh, God bless you all. Please be safe. Be safe. Be careful. And I hope we'll see you next Tuesday, 5 p.m. It's About Us podcast.